it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. You followed me? How long you been coming out here? John, you got the wrong idea, man. You said you destroyed them all, and yet here they are. How is that the wrong idea? I came out here to finish the job. I'm going to get rid of these right now. Yeah, that's very convenient now that I found them. What are you doing? There was a time when I let you choose whether or not you were going to do this to yourself. Now I'm making that choice for you. Oh, you don't believe me? Give them to me. Give them to me right now. I'll destroy them. Look. I'll throw them in the sodding wind. Look, John, I know I lied, all right? Just wait. Wait, wait. Remember all those talks we had? You and me? You said everything happens for a reason. This island tests us. That's what this is, John. A test. This is my test. That's why these are here. These are here because you put them here, Charlie. No, oh, wait. John, wait. What are you going to do? You going to tell Claire? You can't. Look, if she sees then, I'm done. She'll never trust me again, and she has to, John. It's about the baby. All right? Aaron's in danger. You have to believe me. You've given up the right to be believed, Charlie. Welcome, everyone, into another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from Podcast Cut, I am Kristen Howe. Uh, this week, we are covering Season 2, Episode 12, Fire and Water. And, Very excited. Uh, yeah, okay. There's sarcasm in your voice when you say that. Yeah, there's a lot of sarcasm <laughs> in my voice. Because I hate this episode. Uh, this is a rough episode, and it's it's uh, it's it's rough in many ways because there's some rough scenes that are there's just some scenes that are tough to watch, and it's rough because it's confusing, and it's rough because there's some moments it's kind of boring. So I dragged my feet real hard on this one like <laughs> i did not want to watch it a second time i probably paused it like four times and made up excuses on why i had to walk away <laughs> <laughs> i know i ended up on facebook a couple times as i was watching and uh looking away from the screen but i knew mm -hmm. like my second viewing i'm like i kind of have to watch it because i got to take my notes so but yeah it's it's gonna be an interesting one to get into uh but before we do that uh, as just a quick heads up warning, as we always give you every week, this is a spoiler full podcast. We're going to talk about spoilers from the past and spoilers from the future. Um, and I think we're going to what we're going to do going forward. You and I talked a little bit about this is we're going to kind of drop like the top five, top three uh, format of the podcast. And we're basically just going to talk about the episode because I think it, we did that last week and I think it really worked. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. I liked it. So, especially on episodes like this where, you know, one of the two of us might have more points than the other. And this way we don't have to worry about if one of us has the same point and, and piggybacking off of that. We'll just go back and forth with some points and go from there. Okay. 
So sounds good to me. Uh, let's just jump right into it then, because again, it's this is going to be a rough one. Uh, so a quick warning about that. But uh, do you want to start, or do you want me to kick things off? Yeah, I mean, I'll start. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with a question that has nothing to do with Charlie. Okay. Um, how many tarps were on this plane? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. Can we I... talk about the amount of tarps everybody has on this damn island? No, let's talk about that because I um, I agree with that as well. I, I noticed that at the same time. But at the, when I had that thought, because there's that scene with Jack giving Anna Lucia the tarp as she's setting up her camp. And I looked in the background and... I looked at a lot of the the other camps that were set up in the background of that scene, and a lot of them are cloths and things like that. There's no tarps. And what really made me think was, okay, how many tarps do you have, as you mentioned? And two, nobody else is using a freaking tarp in the background. They're all using, like, sheets with holes and everything. If you had this tarp the whole damn time, why were you not using it? They were saving it for Ana Lucia, man. She needs a tarp. (laughs) apparently she built she built a bamboo structure that only a tarp could handle <laughs> the dumbest thing I, I brought you a tarp where the fuck did you get that tarp man why are you not using it it looks like a really good water catcher to me but sure okay well and that's the other thing too that cracked me up about that scene too is you see jack tell anna pull it tight or it'll sag uh it's got a huge sag in it even after you told her that <laughs> it's her own wa- it's, it's her own water supply i mean she has to be she has to remain completely separate from everybody and be completely self-sustainable because no way can she ever integrate into this community it's a very unforgiving community if you are not jack kate sawyer or hurley or saeed I'd, I'd include saeed into that group saeed hasn't really done anything wrong yet oh that's true that's very, very true. Um, but yeah, it's it's so funny because I'm watching that scene and he's like, pull it tighter or the sag. Uh, it didn't help, Jack. N- no, either, none of it helped. Either she it, did- it, you know, it's a doctor and a cop playing Boy Scout. Neither of them know what they're doing. Well, this is the same point that I brought up last week with Libby when she was building hers. I'm like, uh, that's not going to keep out the rain. It's just going to collapse on top of you. It's just going to catch water and it's going to collapse on top of you. And that's exactly what, what Anna Lucy and Jack were building. Well, you know, they're not they're not real street smart. This is yeah. Well, yeah, they're 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 more well, I mean you would think Anna Lucia would be street smart being a cop. Yeah, like like urban street smart. I mean, she could probably get around, you know, LA really well as an LA cop. Oh, not castaway street not, smart. Not not castaway street smart, not remote street smart. <laughs> There's no streets on the island, I <laughs> we, guess. We can't, There's we, just trails, so she's she's not trail smart, we, I guess. We can't all be John Locke on the island. John Locke's another thorn in my side in this episode, but we'll get to that. Ooh, I'm okay. We might contrast on this one because there's uh... good. Let's contrast. <laughs> uh, you know, while we're on that scene with Anna and Jack, though, I found it funny that um, oh, Jack is the worst. Well. The worst at tarps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find it funny that Anna thinks Jack is sleeping with Kate. And Sawyer makes Kate think that Jack is sleeping with Anna Lucia. 
Uh, and meanwhile, Jack's getting nothing from nobody. Well, that's Jack's fault. He treats women like crap, so... Well, because like you said, Jack is the worst. He he even has like a little tood with Anna Lucia in the beginning of of this specific scene. Like like he can't be like he can't be bothered to talk to her for longer than he has to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, here's the tarp. I'll help you set it up and then I'm gonna leave. And and, and she goes, Can I it. ask you a question? And he's like, What? Oh, really? Yeah, I mean it, it was just <laughs> like, dude, change your tone, man. <laughs> Although I will say I do agree with you, you know, Jack is the worst is a common thread throughout the course of this podcast, but <laughs> I do have to say there's one moment in this episode I actually really did like Jack, and it's the scene towards the end of the episode after everything happens on the beach with Charlie and Locke and, and everything. Uh, Jack approaches Charlie, and more than anything else, he approaches Charlie as a doctor first. Mm-hmm. He doesn't criticize Charlie for what he did. All he does is say, I hope you know we can't let this happen again. And even still, like, that's not the first point of contention with Charlie. He doesn't come up to him and say, what are you doing? Why did you do that? This can't happen again. Okay, let me look at your your face. He looks at his face first, says you need stitches, and then he goes into it. He was a doctor first in that scene, and I kind of really respect Jack for that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought that that was one of his better scenes this season so far. <laughs> it's only episode 12. We're only halfway through season two at this point. Yes, that one three-minute scene with Charlie where he acted like a human being was a very good scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, I am agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. No, I'm I sorry. I'm a, little, I'm a little punchy today. I am so. I am too. This is what happens when we start watching YouTube videos before we start recording. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff about Charlie and Locke and Claire throughout the course of this. I'm looking through my notes to see if there's anything else I can bring up uh, before and leaving all the Charlie stuff for last. There's We could talk a little bit about Libby and Hurley. Uh, oh, there is something that is interesting with that, but go ahead. No, well, I mean, uh, there's the the whole washer and dryer thing was always something I always pondered because they do make an interesting point that the washer and dryer look newer than everything else. Mm-hmm. And they don't look newer than everything else. They are newer uh, over everything else that's in there. But there's a, uh, there's a conversation when Libby and Hurley are having – are doing the laundry – And I don't know if it was a fault of the writers or if it's Libby's character lying to Hurley. But they when they're talking about how they first met and Libby says that, you know, she can't she can't believe Hurley forgets stepping on her foot. Um, This would not have happened because Libby's a tailie. They would have never passed each other in the aisles because they did know each other and she didn't want him to remember where. He knew her from. And that's and that's exactly it. That's that's So the she point. made up the story. But she still would have had to have seen Hurley because she was still able to describe him as sweaty with his headphones on. So she still had to have at least seen him on the plane. Well, I mean, he made it a grand entrance. That's true. Headphones, big dude, wild hair, thumbs upping everybody, sweaty. I mean, which is that a great guy makes scene, an entrance, by the way. No matter where he is on the plane, you're like, look at that guy. 
That that is a great scene too, when we do get that moment of him getting being late to the plane. Mm-hmm. I love his thumbs up, <laughs> tongue out, thumbs up. Yep. I think he did it to Walt. Uh, yeah, I think he does do it to Walt. And I know there's a scene I think where like he's looking down at Locke in his chair, and so I can't. Is that in the finale of this season? I can't remember when that scene is. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember either. But what's um, I, wh- what was your interesting point? about everything with with Hurley and Libby. That was it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, don't be. <laughs> I didn't mean to jump on it. You, no, you didn't. You didn't at all. Um So what about you? What's something else about the episode? If you had anything else before we get into the whole Charlie and Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really um there's nothing really other than this the the Charlie Locke uh Claire kind of debacle that um that I really want to talk about. I mean Yeah, everything else. It, literally every you know, I did enjoy Sawyer being Hurley's wingman. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, I'm uh, I'm sure you got a load you need to drop in there, don't you death row? Oh, I freaking love Sawyer. <laughs> that, that I'm so glad next week is a Sawyer episode too. I know. And that line both times I watched this episode got me both times. <laughs> it, like cracked me up both times I heard that. <laughs> and, and, so dirty. <laughs> No, it's so it's raunchy. dirty bird. <laughs> it's so raunchy, but so hysterical at the same time. And it's so funny, too, that we've mentioned time and time again how Hurley always adds a little bit of levity to the episodes. And this time, Hurley's involved, but it's really Sawyer that adds it. I know. <laughs> I, you know what? I love Sawyer so much. He's just, he's so wonderful in every way. And uh, him and Kate, you know, they looked very, very comfortable with each other and kind of like relaxed. And I just, I really like Kate and Sawyer as a pair. I mean, even if, even if they never got romantically together, I just think that there is an equality between the two of them that Kate and Jack just don't have. And it just makes for a much better dynamic between the two of them than Kate and Jack, I think, ever really have. I'm, I'm going to post a poll on the Facebook page later this week um, over who people would ship more, Jack and Jack and Kate or Sawyer and Kate. And I, I can I'm predicting right now it's probably going to be Sawyer and Kate. I hope so, because that's the only reasonable answer. <laughs> I mean, I respect everybody's opinion. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of, you know what? I kind of, I not kind of, I agree with you. I think when you look at the dynamic of both of those, of all three of those characters and that triangle that happens, you know, over the course of this series, yes, there is a time period where Sawyer and Kate are separated, not just by space, but by time, mm-hmm. um, you know, until they're eventually reunited. Uh you know, don't get me wrong. I love <clears throat> as much as I, you know, I love Sawyer and Kate over Sawyer and Jack. But I do have to say we haven't met her yet. So it's a little bit of a, a spoiler to the future. The dynamic of Sawyer and Juliet was just I, I loved it. No, I agree with you. I think I and and I do love the two of them together. But that was that was after Kate had already left. True. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I don't know. I just when it comes to Sawyer and Kate, especially in in these 
beginning episodes, um, I I like the fact that they are on equal footing. I like the fact that they're both underdogs, they're both misunderstood, and they're both real feisty, and they can give it to each other, and not and it won't hurt anybody's feelings. Like, um, you know, like like they're able to just hand it back right 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 back to the other. Yeah. So oh yeah, they're, I, they're, I just appreciate that dynamic. They're both the kind of people where don't don't give it if you can't take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Jack can't take it. No, because Jack's the worst. And he has a lot of feelings. Well, there, there's nothing wrong with, with having feelings, but Jack is is one of the types of people that just he's driven by them way too much. Yeah, but he acts like he doesn't have feelings, and then all of his feelings get hurt, and then he's like, "No, I'm okay. What?" Well, and, and Ugh, I don't like him. <laughs> it's so funny too that you don't like him because I just and and going through and rewatching the show and and talking about it with you every week, it's uh, Jack was always a big character that I really liked. Uh, you know, the first time I watched <laughs> I this series, <laughs> and you you have you've kind of ruined it for me. Because I find myself saying Jack is the worst more and more every week. <laughs> it's just like those people that said Zach Morris is trash for uh, <laughs> for Saved, for by, Saved the by, Bell. by the Bell. It's ruined Saved by the Bell for me. It's ruined it. I'm like, wow, Zach Morris really is the worst. Yes, the worst. Those videos are great. They and are. And people should make those videos about Jack about and Jack. Lost because it's true. So, but yeah, you've you've turned me on Jack uh, over the course of the past couple weeks. <laughs> sucks so um, bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's no because again, I do as bad as he is, and as much as we say Jack is the worst, he has his moments uh, throughout mm-hmm. the course of this series. Um, mm-hmm. There are definitely more than not. You're the worst moments, um, but he definitely has some redemptive moments throughout the course of the series. Where you really feel for him and you really pull for him. Mm-hmm. So, and again, he is by the end of this series one of the most important characters of of the entire run. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> can't what, de- what else? You can't got? deny it. Can't deny <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, I guess the only other thing I can mention before, and we can kind of use it as a segue going into everything with. Um, you know, with with Locke and Charlie and 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 Claire and Aaron, uh, is I noticed one thing, and please do not use this as a segue uh, to start doing heroin, but I noticed, <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed it's a really weird beginning of, I, of I a know. sentence, but okay, let's let's run with it. But I, sure. But I noticed uh, how much heroin in Lost looks like brown sugar. That's the only reason I said don't use that as a segue to start doing heroin uh, because it looks like something you can cook or put in your coffee. Just don't do that. Uh, I don't know if that's the prop that they use to kind of make it. And I, I I mean, I have no idea what actual heroin looks like. So it could no, look it looks totally like, like that. that. Heroin okay. looks like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It could look like that. But to me, it looks like it, they could have used brown sugar as a prop. Maybe. And they might have. You know? I, I know they didn't use heroin. Well, that's a good thing. Maybe they use sand. Because Who Domin- knows? Because Dominic Monaghan would be addicted because we've seen him taste that. <laughs> so, um, okay. I'm going to start this off with a question. 
before okay. before we get What's into up? this, and we can use this as a segue. At this point in time in the show, in your personal opinion, is Charlie using again, or is he not? No way. Okay, I agree with you. I do not think he's using again. I think at this point in time, what we're seeing is not an addict. We're seeing desperation in its purest form. I think he's. Li- I think that he was lying to Locke. I don't think he ever planned on getting rid of the Mary dolls. Um, you know, I'm not sure why he opened up that that statue. I don't. I. I don't think it was to destroy the heroin, but I also don't think it was to use the heroin. I don't know what it was for. Um, I guess we'll never know. Locke. Locke didn't give him that choice. Um, you know, which is a big problem that I have with Locke in this episode. I don't think Locke was being Locke. Everything that we know about Locke so far is goes. This goes against his character. Don't tell me what I can or cannot do. People need to make their own decisions. You know, he took all the decision-making away from Charlie. If Charlie wants to go kill himself in the jungle, then Charlie can go do that. Locke can protect Claire and Aaron. That That is a better job to have. You know, his the level of anger that he had over this and... Um, and his involvement in what Charlie was doing, I just thought that it would have landed better in this episode if they gave that whole thing over to Jack, the doctor. Um, It didn't make sense to me on why it was used with Locke. And it annoyed me more than it didn't in this episode. It's it's one of my biggest problems with the episode is how against Locke's character... um, this whole thing was what you obviously probably disagree because you probably liked Locke in this episode. Well, I I did. And you know what? It's before, you know, before I had that thought, when I, when I had that thought about how much I actually did enjoy Locke in this episode, I didn't really compare the whole, don't tell me what I can't do thing until you just mentioned it. And looking at it in that light, you're right. There's definitely a huge contrast from Locke from what we've seen before. Because the last time we saw Locke dealing with Charlie and the heroine, he did. You're right. He gave him a choice. He said, I'm going to give you three times to ask me for this. And the third time, I'm going to give it to you. And at that point, he was giving Charlie free will to make his own decision. And this time around, he took that away. He didn't give him even an option. He took it from him. And But I think... Going along with my original idea of why I liked Locke so much with this is because I think when you look at everything that Locke did in this episode, I do truly feel like, truly feel like while it was very rough around the edges, Locke still had the best of intentions. I think he saw what this, this damage, you know, having this, Charlie having these dolls in his possession, these statues in his possession, uh, I think he saw what it was doing to Charlie. Uh, I think he saw that it was driving a wedge between him and Claire. And I think this he saw this as a huge wake-up call for Charlie. And I don't think it's because of the whole... Not necessarily because of the whole don't tell me what I can or cannot do. I think it's because he genuinely has a bond and a likeness for Charlie. And I think this is the kind of tough love that he feels Charlie needs. I think he has a connection with Charlie at this point that he feels like... If Charlie is going to be saved, this needs to happen. 
Um, you did mention the whole, you know, Locke being the protector of of Claire and Aaron, uh, and we've kind of seen the role switch in Locke has taken over the position that Charlie once had. Um, and, you know, when you look at everything with, with Claire asking if she can stay in the hatch with Aaron, I don't think there was any malice there in him telling her no. I think he legitimately said you know, what he said was true. There's an alarm that goes off. It's not a great relationship. For, it's not a great environment for a baby to sleep through the night. But I will move my stuff down with you. Throwing that in with everything with Charlie, I do legitimately think Locke had the best of intentions for everything that he did this episode. No, I, I look, yes, you're right. Absolutely. I, I just... <laughs> I just don't think that um, it's Locke's character to take away another person's choice. I agree. No with matter you. what, I agree with you. And and that it just goes against his character. Um, you know, him also leaving Claire during the fire was not a protective thing to do, but Claire also is relying too much on other people to help her and protect her and Aaron, and she needs to start, you know, figuring stuff out for herself. Um, the best decision that she's made so far is is telling Charlie to kick rocks and not to accept anything that he says as anything other than a lie. Um, you know, protecting Aaron should be first. And no matter what Charlie's intentions were, he did it all wrong. All of it. Yeah. Every step that he took, if he should have gone left, he went right. I, it, I, I mean, it was it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion for 42 fucking minutes. Well, I mean, and that I think that's kind of also another element of where the fire and water comes in is because, you know, the title of the episode is Fire and Water. And there's always usually a a ongoing theme with that. And there's the very obvious, you know, water with Charlie holding Aaron in the water. There's the fire that he sets at the end. But I think fire and water comes into play with exactly what you just mentioned in that fire and water are two things that cancel each other out. And every time that we see Charlie do something, it's something that he does, he that he's trying to do good that turns bad. And it, you're right. He's just making missteps the entire time when he's go he's going left when he should have gone right i think that's exactly another element of the fire and water from this episode is that every good deed he's doing is canceling is being canceled out by something bad mm -hmm. i mean i get that he's desperate i i get that at the end you feel his desperation right oh yeah uh, by far and uh, you know, what's sad about everything is by the end of this episode, you think you've seen Charlie's deepest, darkest, most desperate moment, and we haven't yet. That's still to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, an another issue that I have with this, since we're on, you know, Charlie and desperation and, and bad, bad moments, you know, he makes a really good point to Locke. Um, where he says, you know, Claire, uh, Kate sees a horse. Everybody sees Walt. You know, Jack's been chasing down his dead dad. Um, you know, Sawyer was fighting with a with a boar. Um, you know, all this crazy stuff has happened to everybody in the jungle, and everybody's just kind of accepted it. But with but with Charlie, everybody's first question is, well, he must be on drugs. Yeah. 
And that wasn't fair. That wasn't fair. If he had, but he also, he should have woken up, gone over to Char- Claire and been like, look, I had a weird dream. I just wanted to see Charlie. I just wanted to see Aaron. I just wanted to see him. I wanted to make sure he was okay. I had a real creepy dream about him and I just worried for his safety. The end. Walk away. Walk away. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I think we brought up that line before uh, a couple weeks ago. With uh, I think in the episode where Kate sees the horse, we we talked about that that particular line, and it's it did it finally came up. Uh, and kind of piggybacking on that too, there's also that thing where Charlie says to Locke, "You know, you keep saying the island is testing us, and I think this is my test." And one, you could take that as in this was just an excuse Charlie was making as to why he was holding on to these statues. But two, who was Locke to say, and I kind of know this is being hypocritical of me saying Locke had the best of intentions and everything, but who was Locke to not feel like that could be the case when he's the one that's been making a a case for that the entire time? Right. I, I really feel like this is a writer's misstep. In this episode, I, they gave this sub they gave this subplot to the wrong character. They should have given it to Jack or Saeed or anybody other than Locke. I, I think Locke was the wrong character to give this to. I think that he would have been better placed as just, you know, Claire approaching him, uh, Locke saying he was going to sleep next to them for a couple of nights, just being that protector, being that, you know, go between. But instead, they gave him this extra stuff to do with Charlie that just did not make any sense. And then to see everybody turn on Charlie at the end. I mean, I get it when when he had when he ran off with Aaron and ran to the ocean, I would kill him with my bare hands. The fact that, you know, Claire is depending on other people to get her baby back and you're hurting me, Charlie. I I wanted to kind of hit her too, (laughs) you know, like protect your child. If there's a fire, grab your kid, man. You may have to run. Like, why are you so far away from your kid looking at a fire? Somebody took your kid. People have tried to take your kid already. You know, for all you know, this was an other's distraction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, well, and she wasn't thinking about that because she depends on other people to to do her heavy lifting. And it was kind of annoying. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the others uh, as part of this, too, because when I was doing some research into the episode, one of the theories that I did read is that and I don't believe this theory at all. And I'm curious if maybe you think there's any merit to it as well. But one mm-hmm. of the theories that I read was that this was all a point of them to potentially get Charlie to take Aaron to the water so that they could get him. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think this really was something that was in Charlie's head. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you, especially when he tried to rope Echo into it. Poor Echo. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not a part of this. Yeah, this, this is <laughs> this is not what I told you to do. Um, it, you know, it, it was an interesting dynamic in the beginning of the episode as well when, uh, you know, that completely changes and flips by the end in that when we get that first scene with Charlie and Echo, you know, Echo's the one that's held, that tells Charlie. He, he's the one that kind of strengthens his his feeling about everything in by saying, maybe you are meant to save Aaron. Um, you know, which in my opinion might not have been the proper thing to say to Charlie because it it just fueled his drive to want to be back in Aaron's and, and Claire's graces. Um, I don't think that Echo 
at any point thought that this was the direction that Charlie was going to go into. Oh, me neither. And I, I'm not faulting Echo for saying that. But again, in the long run, when you look at it, it probably, and to no fault of Echo's, was not the right thing to say to Charlie in the state of mind that he <laughs> I was in. Know, I know. Because you just, you literally just shoved him right back towards that, towards Claire and Aaron. Um, I could just see Echo like just being like, look, man, I'm the new guy here. I don't need to be in any of your bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to be in any of your white people drama bullshit. OK, <laughs> yeah. just leave me out of it. I'm going to go mark my trees again. I'm out. <laughs> you're, you're white people bullshit. <laughs> wow. Way to throw race into it, Kristen. I. That was white people drama. It was. That was white people drama. It it totally was because, you know, and if Claire was, and I realize Claire is a new mother in a situation where she doesn't have what everybody else has. So that's a little bit of her in, in her defense. But if this was any other situation, they weren't on this island and Claire was more protective of Aaron. If Claire was any other mother, I think Charlie would be in serious trouble. You know what? I, I gotta disagree with you. Claire has everything a new mother should have. A cradle, a set of working breasts, uh, a doctor on site for house calls, uh, a whole village to take the baby so she can go on a walk. Let me tell you something. I didn't get a, a, a set aside time the first two years I was a mom to go on a walk, okay? Or to take a nap. She has fresh air. The, the, the kid has blankets and, and clothes. She has makeup to put on her face <laughs> every single day. I, I, I've been a mom for, for almost eight years, and I barely ever put makeup on my face anymore. All I'm saying is that, you know, she has a lot more than the average new mom does. Okay. The average new single mom does. All right. I, I take back what I said. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. I, I'm not a mom, so I, I, you have every right to go against what I just said and and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> so I. I don't want to play the mom card though. Like that. That's just weird. But, but I, all, <laughs> all I'm saying is there's not a lot really that you need as a new mom. You need love. You need support. You need food, and you need a place to lay your head. She's got all that and more. A lot of moms, they don't even have insurance, and they can't go to a doctor, and she has Dr. Jack coming by every single day. Yeah, you're right. She does. She's got an on... I mean, he might be the worst, but he's a good doctor. That's... that's You can't deny that about Jack. Yeah. I mean, the better the doctor, the worse the bedside manner, right? Not everybody's McDreamy. (laughs) I've never watched one single episode of Grey's Anatomy, so I wouldn't And know. yet you know who that is. I, well, I, it's kind of shoved down your throat in the world of pop culture. Uh, yeah, it should be. It's McDreamy is the best. I love him. <laughs> we're getting off. Well, we always get off topic, but now we're getting like a completely different show. No, but we're still talking about doctors. It fits. That's it's true. fine. That's Patrick Dempsey, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I know Patrick Dempsey from other stuff, but. Race car driver extraordinaire. Was he a race car driver in... Now he is. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we're really getting off topic. Yeah. Um, now we're officially off topic. Yes, now See, we're... Off- that's how you get off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Let that be a lesson. <laughs> uh, you know, while we're talking about Echo, uh, you know, and Echo's involvement with everything, too, we, we do kind of see... We, we don't kind of see. We see by the end 
you know, Claire approaching Echo about the whole baptism thing, and she mentions how she wasn't baptized before. And we see Echo, by the end of the episode, baptize both her and Aaron. I think what's interesting about this entire thing is, as viewers who have watched this series a number of times, we know the truth. But as a first-time viewer, you don't know yet that Echo is a legitimate priest. All you, yeah, you know, do. You, we do? Yeah. How do we know? Because we haven't seen him do everything. Like, oh, we, we, haven't, right. we haven't seen him go nope, through everything right. yet. All we know about Echo is that he took his brother's place. So, Well, his brother ordained him. His brother filled out the ordination papers because he had to be an ordained priest. So he was ordained in that episode. He just didn't go through all the classes until after, until a later episode that we see what happens after, uh, after the plane. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what we know as, as former viewers, we know there is legitimate legitimacy to what he is doing. This is a mm -hmm. legitimate baptism, but as a first time viewer, you know, or a first time going through this series, you might not have thought that like, you might've wondered how is he able to do this because he's not a real priest. Like, this is not a legitimate baptism, but you, you will find out that there is this is a complete legitimate baptism because he does go through everything that he needs to to become a legitimate priest. And he's Mr. Echo, and I love him. Yes. Well, Adewale is just amazing. So. Um, Lama Lama Ding Dong. <laughs> you should know better than to bring it up. I can't say his time. name. I'll never be able to say his name. It's a lot of vowels. Just say ah. I'm a lama ding dong. <laughs> All right, never mind. <laughs> um, what about you? What's something else that you 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 noticed about the episode? So, um, you know, a lot a lot of this I think is is I, I was trying to find kind of the connection here, you know, between the flashback and what was going on, and I think that this is. Charlie, Charlie has been abandoned a lot, it seems. Uh, he doesn't really have family um, to speak of. And I, I've got a couple of trains of thought when it comes to this, and, and I don't know which one works best here. So if I sound a little crazy, it's because I'm still working it out in my brain. But, um, you know... Charlie trying to remain in Aaron's life and, and trying to do the right thing and save the baby. Um, you know, I think it's his desperate, the desperation comes from the fact that he probably felt like he finally had a family of his own. And, um, you know, Locke telling him at the end that he wasn't his family. I think that that, um, while it was a hard truth and it was something that Charlie needed to hear, I think that it, it's also false. You know, Claire telling Charlie we were strangers on a plane and then we were friends and now, you know, we're back to where we were. That That's just not true. You know, I mean, they were acting like a family. They were, um, she did rely on him for that that aspect of of her life and you know to to tell him otherwise that's that's hurting him and that's hurting him on purpose um you know on the same token he totally deserved it i mean he he had aaron by the water twice at, by the end of the episode once was not his doing once it you know it was a dream that nobody wanted to believe him on and the second time he did it you know on purpose but you know with the flashback 
his brother, who he saved over and over again, who he worked so hard to get their band back together, get money in their pocket, write songs. Um, he covered for him at the hospital with Karen and, and the new baby Megan. You know, he literally took the needle out of his brother's arm. Yeah. You know, at, at one point. And then his brother decides that he wants to clean up his life and fucks his brother over. Uh, you know, Liam fucks his brother over in the end and sells his piano. The piano that their mom gave him. You know, which it seems to me if they're living in that loft the way that they are, that, you know, mom's not around anymore. That's a good point. You know, yeah. <clears throat> so, so nobody is loyal to Charlie. Nobody's in Charlie's corner, I guess. Not his brother wasn't in his corner. Uh, looked like he had a complicated relationship with his dad. Looks like his mom was gone. Um, you know, he tried to stay out of the drug game. His brother pulled him into it until he became a full fledged addict. Um, now he and now he's just a product of heroin addiction, which you know comes with the lies and 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 deceit. But then you get to the island, and by the end of the episode. It, it the shot goes to everybody on the beach and they're all turning their back away from Charlie and and it's very obvious that the point the point that's being made is that Charlie is on his own nobody is in Charlie's corner nobody was in his corner to begin with in all honesty i mean he woke up by himself and um you know nobody believed him when he said he had that that he was in some kind of waking dream and and he has no idea how he got Aaron that first time. Nobody believed him. Nobody stood up for him. They they pushed him away when he tried to talk to Claire. You know, Kate pushed him away. Son yelled at him. Locke beat him up. Hurley turned away from him. Echo distanced himself from him. So, you know, and, and then Jack comes and he gives him the stitches. But then he says, you know, I need to know that this is never going to happen again. And nobody's asking Charlie, hey man, are you all right? Like. Well, you're acting real weird. What is going on with you? Yeah, and that's a shame. That that's a shame that by the end of it, he's he's that isolated. And and it was very much like his flashback at the end, where his brother left to go be with his new family and to save his own life, taking away all of his familial memories with the money from the piano that he sold without telling Charlie about it and leaving Charlie with literally nothing and not caring. Yeah. No, I mean, it, the, a lot of good points that you, you, you made in that, too. And I think um, to piggyback on one of them, uh, you know, going back to what you said towards the beginning about how he really did have a family, like him and Claire and Aaron were the closest thing to a family that you could see, you know, on that island outside of actually being family. In in one of the flashback scenes that we get right after, you know, the baby is born, baby Megan is born. The very last line that is said before it goes back to the present day on the island is Charlie looking at Liam and saying, now clean yourself up. You're a sodding father now. And I think mm -hmm. that's very reflective of Charlie's current life. That's I, interesting. That's a great point. I think that's I think that's a very th there's a very interesting point as to why that is the last line of that flashback before it goes back to the present, because mm -hmm. that's kind of the situation it's flashing back to. Charlie, in many aspects, while not Aaron's real father, is taking up that position. He is a sodding father now. He needs to clean himself up. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that was a very interesting mm -hmm. dynamic in the way they played that with that flashback. 
You're absolutely right. I didn't I didn't pick up on that at all. I did pick up on the fact that I think that they're trying to make a drive shaft almost like Oasis. Oh, I think there's a lot of similarities between there's a lot of Oasis the, and drive shafts. Yeah, uh, f- for for certain. Um, I think also, you know, going on to your point, too, about, you know, talking about the piano and things like that is. Mm-hmm. If you look at Charlie's life in the past as opposed to Charlie's life now, there were two things in his life that kept him off of drugs and kept him on the straight and narrow, or or kept him clean, rather. And they were two points of Charlie's life that were kind of his salvation. The first one in the present day was Aaron. Aaron, he had something he had something to strive for. Without Aaron, he is desperate and he is, you know, doing all these wrong things while trying to be right about it. In the past, it's the piano. The piano kept him clean. The piano kept him writing. It was his passion. It was everything he was behind. And when he lost it, he turned to an addict. Mm-hmm. The piano and Aaron in mer- in many ways of Charlie's life are the two salvations that he's had. And now at this point, he's lost them both. He doesn't. And that's interesting that you say that. I'm so sorry. Keep no, going. it's fine. No, I was go just going to say. And what's interesting is that at the beginning of the episode, Aaron was locked in the piano yeah. and the piano was drifting away. That's an int- that's a great parallel that you just made because I think that you're absolutely right. And it goes it goes to show that they kind of set us up for exactly what was in store for us by the end of the episode, right in the beginning with that first um, with that first dream yeah. that he had. I mean, th- this is the second. Th- you're right. You're right from the beginning in that Charlie has never had a great life. He's he's got abandonment issues and such too, but he has now lost. I using that word again, salvation. He has now lost his salvation again for the second time, which is why I think this is why we're getting that as that Charlie that is as desperate as he is. And again, we're not we're not through that yet. There's. Uh, there's at least one more desperation move that he makes before the end of this season that if this were any other person and this were any other situation, this is the making of a villain <laughs> in Charlie. Like it, 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 in many ways, when you look at, you know, villains, whether they be Marvel, DC, comic book, movie, television, anything, sometimes all it takes is one moment in their life to flip that switch. And man, he is riding that line at this point and it's it's going to get interesting when we when we see that that second test and i don't know when it happens i think it's within the next three or four episodes that we see it Um, i need a charlie break well we get it we get it for a little while um i don't think it's very long but we but we get it for now charlie charlie's one of those characters I love the actor that plays him. I do like the character, but Charlie is one of those characters that you you need in small doses. He gets really whiny quickly. And you know what? I think at the point that we have Charlie now, I agree with you. But the Charlie that we get a little later, I don't think we got enough of. Um, You know, when we see the relationship that he builds with Hurley, when we see the relationship he builds with with Desmond... um, I would have taken so much more of that. But I think you're right. I think these darker moments of Charlie, when he's still trying to find himself mm-hmm. uh, on the island, you're right, is you kind of need them in smaller doses. But Charlie is one of those characters that by the end of his time, man, has made one of the biggest arcs um, 
one of the biggest arcs. There are definitely some other characters that have made some huge arcs throughout the run of this series. But Charlie's one that by the end, like you may hate him now as a first time viewer, but man, you are sad and in love with his character by the end. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I would agree with you. It's just rough. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, how about you? A- anything else as far as the, the episode goes? No. That you wanted to bring up? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I have a couple more things, <laughs> if if that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Um, this one's really quick. Did you happen to, when uh, Driveshaft was filming the commercial for the diapers? Uh, did you happen to take notice of what was in the crib? I'm gonna, no. I'm going to take that as a no. Uh, <laughs> there were stuffed animals. You know what kind of animals they were? Were they polar bears? They were polar bears. <laughs> <laughs> there were two polar bear stuffed animals in the crib with drive shaft, which, hmm. which I thought was a fun little nod to everything that was going on. Um, <clears throat> I just want to make quick mention, too, of that final scene at the beach. You kind of touched on it a little bit already, but Locke uh, kind of beating the hell out of, out of uh, Charlie. Um, which I'm kind of torn on because I don't feel like it was in Locke's character to do that, as you had made mention of before. But at the same time, I think, actually, I don't think it was rightfully deserved for everything that Charlie had done and put Claire through with Aaron. I think he kind of deserved it. Yes, I will agree with you that he deserved it. A hundred percent, I believe that he deserved it. I don't think it should have come from Locke. No, and, and that's what I think. I think it was a little out, a little out of character. Uh, of it was, uh, it was out of Locke's character to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, the only final point I want to make is kind of, I guess, more of a question. Um, why do we think Locke kept the statues? Um, I think that it's because he knows that heroin can be used as, um, an emergency procedure medicine thing. I mean, originally I believe that heroin was used for that. Yeah. I think even um, Des mentioned that in one of his, uh, listener feedbacks a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago about that, uh, about the heroin being used for me- uh, medicinal purposes. Yeah, so I think that it, it you know, it, it's good to have on hand, like, I mean, if they had it for Boone to knock him out, you know, while Jack was able to work on him, instead of Boone being awake, you know, for most of it, I think that that could have been helpful, um, you know, or, or as a controlled pain reliever, if if it really had to be used that way, I think that that it, it's good to have on hand. It could also just be a reminder for Locke. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Locke, Locke was so strange in this episode. I just, he was my least favorite part of this episode. And, and I understand why, why he you know, why he did everything he did. It's just, it goes against everything that they've been building his character to be this entire time. I would have kicked the shit out of Charlie too. Yeah. I would have, I would have beat him until he was unconscious. I would have beat him with my bare hands. If I was Claire, I would give my baby to son or to Kate or to Locke, And I would kick the shit out of Charlie. Yeah. Like I said, I think everything that he got was rightfully deserved. 
When but, she slapped him at the, after the first time, that was good. Good job, Claire. Way to stick up for your kid and for yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the first time we've seen her really be... Uh, I think she's always been protective of Aaron, but that's the first time we've seen her kind of step up and, you know... But, but think about this just for a second. Anna Lucia accidentally shoots and kills Shannon, and she is still accepted because they know it was an accident. Charlie was having some sort of a sleepwalking, waking nightmare and has no idea how he got Aaron in his hands that first time. And everybody cast him out and cast him aside. That doesn't make any sense. And wow. I never really think about that, especially, especially considering the fact that the only person that knows Charlie had the drug issues is Locke. Well, Claire knows too, at this point. Um, and I can understand Claire being protective of Aaron because of that, uh, but you're absolutely right. Like that's it's kind of hypocritical of the of the group mm-hmm. to be that way. Because you're right, Anna Lucia flat out killed someone. She killed someone, and and is still part of that group. Not only part of that group, but like not even ostracized, like living among them. Boone Boone was killed because Locke used Boone. And he's still not only a leader, he's in control of all the weapons. Ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, you're right. There's, there's so many things about this episode that I, I guess, yeah, I kind of make it, it, it is one of my, I don't want to say least favorite episodes because it's, I really can't think of any episodes I absolutely hate of this series. It's just, it, it's a rough one to watch because it kind of just doesn't fit with everything else that's going on. No, I, it doesn't fit at all. There are elements of the story that fit, you know, when it comes to Charlie and Claire. But there are other things that, like you said, I think you're right. The more I look back at this episode and I, I think about it, I think you're right. I think the whole part of being against Charlie should have been someone other than Locke. I think you're absolutely right. So, um, as far as Locke keeping the statues, I can see it being for medicinal purposes. Do we ever find out what happens to the statues? Or are they just kind we of... We must. We must. I just, they wouldn't put it in there unless there was a plan for them. Yeah, I don't remember what it is at this point. I love not remembering a lot of stuff. I do. Although, I, do too. <laughs> I am going to take this moment right now, because <laughs> we've organically come to it, to apologize for anybody that was also <laughs> yelling at their at at you know the air or at me in 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 your ears last week when um I said that uh, Michael was Michael was a part of the Dharma Initiative when really Michael's fate was much different. Des Combs, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention in the way that you did. I love you, buddy. Yeah. And I apologize yeah. for getting it wrong. But yeah. I, I don't remember a lot of the series. I watched it so long ago, which is why I'm loving this rewatch. Because while I do remember a lot of a lot of things, it's kind of fun also to forget. Um, Yeah, forget the fact that I told you you were wrong last week. You know, but whatever. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm only I'm kidding. Sorry to uh, no, 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 no. I don't want an apology. <laughs> I was only kidding. Um, I did remember something though while you were talking. Um, oh, cool. And it is um, the whole heroin being used as medicinal does come mm -hmm. into play. Uh, when Libby is shot, Jack gives it to Libby. There you go. See? Comes back. So, spoiler, sorry, we we warned you. Um, yeah, it, it Jack does give it to Jack does give it to Libby um when when she's dying. So, uh that about wraps it up for for what I have. Um I I double checking, you don't have anything else? No. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Um so let's jump into some listener feedback then. I know our buddy Steve uh, left us a voicemail as he usually does. But before we get into playing that, we want to let you know, we want to encourage you guys to, our, the rest of our listeners, to leave us feedback as well for any of the episodes and anything that you want to say, whether it's what you love, what you didn't love, uh, or correcting us on something we might have said, as Des <laughs> has done before. And I know I've said stuff wrong before, too. It's just... You know, it is what it is. We're, I, I love the fact that I forget stuff, too, that we both forget things about this. And we're we're rewatching certain things for the first time, even though we've seen them five. Uh, but there are multiple ways that you can leave us feedback. Uh, the first is we are on Facebook at Lost Revisited slash uh, Facebook.com <laughs> slash Lost Revisited. We're on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. You can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address, or you can just privately message us. Yep. Uh, so with that being said, we, as I mentioned, we have a listener feedback from our buddy Steve. So we'll go ahead and play that now. Hello, Ben and Kristen. It's Steve, and uh, got some notes for Fire Plus Water. I guess, it, is that how you say it? That's a plus sign in the middle. Um, I'm not even going to try to start to explain the religious stuff in this episode because it was like there was some stuff that was, I'm not even going to try. Um, it wasn't the drugs that drove Charlie to the dark side um, because even now that he's not using, apparently, uh, he's still crazed. So I, he's just acting crazed. It's, yeah, this is a, a bad few episodes or, or a little while for Charlie. Um, it's sad that the personal issues with the actor robbed us of the Libby Hurley romance. I think that would have been really cool. I, I noticed in the second watch that when Charlie comes to question Echo about the statue, Echo answers every question that Charlie asks him with a question. He never makes a statement, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I thought it was funny when uh, Ana Lucia asked about uh, if Jack was, was sleeping with with Kate because I had a coworker in Korea who I showed him the second season, I think, or the first season DVDs when I had them. And, uh, he, he brought it back to me and said he couldn't watch the show because more people would be having sex. Uh, he, he didn't, he didn't like that they were showing more people doing that. So I just thought that was funny when uh, she's, she like laid out why they should be all just having sex. So, um, Anyway, uh, really liked the episode. At the end, I guess that's John changing the combination and putting the statues in the uh, the uh, safe room there with the guns. So I, I know that comes into play later, and uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Uh, I'm going to watch The Fix, and I may send in a voicemail about it. 
Talk to you later. Uh, one more thing before I forget. Uh, I don't know who was worse, Liam or Charlie, in in this episode and, and from what we see of how Liam reacts to Charlie when he comes to Australia. So I, I don't know which one is who's worse in that situation. I think they're both bad. And um, there was one thing more. I think then you mentioned last week or a week ago or sometime in the past that I think Jack does use that heroin for something, for a pain reliever for somebody. I, I can't remember who. Well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or before. I think when I mentioned the whole using heroin as a pain relief, I was just mentioning because Des had mentioned it. Uh, but I got to mention it this week because it does. Uh, it comes up with Libby. Uh, pretty sure that was Locke changing the combination uh, of the armory. Uh, I'm, I'm almost certain that's exactly what he was doing. I, I do find it interesting, the whole echo dynamic that Steve mentioned, though. Answering everything with a question. Yeah. Uh, I didn't take note of that, but I might have to just go back and rewatch that scene just to see if that's the case. So, uh, but yeah, thanks, Steve, <clears throat> for the uh, for the voicemail this week. Uh, I think that's just about going to wrap it up for the podcast this week. Uh, as always, in addition to leaving us feedback, we encourage you guys to check out uh, all the other podcasts on both the Podcastica and Next Level Podcast Networks. I know uh, we bring it up every week, but that's just because we should. Uh, you guys are, especially this time of year, you over on House Podcastica are gearing up. I think you have what one more episode of the actual series that you're going to be recording about this week, and yeah. then uh, a hopes and dreams episode, and then it's on to the new episodes. Yes, oh. I'm so excited. Yeah, they act. Um, so HBO had their uh, world premiere last night at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Um, there, so up on the house podcast page is a lot of red carpet pictures from that event. Um, so with people that have already seen the premiere, I would just say, beware, beware of the internet between now and April 14th. Um, you know, it's already, it, if it's already, a just a caution zone if you're a Game of Thrones fan as it is. But now that actual people have seen the first episode, I would be a lot more careful uh, in my Game of Thrones searches. More careful than I already am. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a little crazy. But yeah, we are we are uh, finishing up the rewatch this weekend, actually. We record our last episode. I cannot believe that we actually did it. Um, and then we have the hopes and dreams episode and then we will have the premiere episode and it will be me uh jason of uh podcastica and lucy of podcastica the three of us will be doing the premiere episode that's awesome i hope i get to do one of those six i don't know if i will because I, I know there's only six episodes but yeah we we have uh we have carefully designed the season and it's been a lot of back and forth um so well, I, yeah. I I won't be offended if I don't get to do one, but I know <laughs> I will. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, yours and Jason's because I think Jason is your your co-host for the la is one of your co-hosts for the rest of the the series, right? Yeah, he'll be on every single episode. I will be on every single episode, and then we we'll, we will have a third 
person. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing each of the episodes every week because this will be the first time uh, in a long time I'm actually getting to listen immediately after the episodes. Yes. Hashtag we are Steve. <laughs> we we did that last we did that last week. If you listen to our latest one, Beyond the Wall, uh, we Anwen, who was my host, she said, "This is so cool because after this, we're all Steve. Like he didn't catch up to us; we're catching up to him." And so we're like, "Yes, hashtag We Are Steve. It's gonna be a thing." <laughs> that is fantastic. I love that so much. <laughs> Yeah, because we I think we talked about that a little bit last week. Steve Brown, who leaves us voicemails every week for this podcast, uh, he's yeah he's coming on to talk about the finale of the last season. He's your mm-hmm. co-host this coming week, and yeah, mm-hmm. th- he's a first time watcher. Yeah. So yeah, so it's we're all first time watchers when it comes to the next six episodes. Mm-hmm. We so, are Steve. Yes, that's uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, in addition to that, obviously, uh, Walking Dead is uh, the season wrapped up this week. But I don't know what Walking Dead cast is going to be doing between now and Fear the Walking Dead. I'm not sure. Taking a break, man. Watching Game of Thrones. That's a good, OK. That's a good thing to do. Uh, and I know that uh, Strange Indeed, I think, is currently talking Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is until July 4th when Strange Stranger Things comes back, which I'm really excited for. Uh, DC Primetime over on Next Level is currently talking about the shows that are still on. I think a lot of the shows are actually uh, Arrow and Flash are currently on break for the next couple weeks. But Legends of Tomorrow uh, returned this week for the first time since in 2019. So we're looking forward to talking about that this current weekend when we record. And, of course, uh, the other podcast that with Panels to Pixels, which Steve Brown does with Mark Kirkman. Uh, but the other podcast I really want to talk about a lot, too, I want to make sure I bring up just because it's so new and it's so relevant, especially with um, World Autism Day being the other day, is um, another piece of the puzzle, which our friends Avelino, Kristen, and their friend Erica do. Christina. Oh, Chris, I do it every time. Every time. Chris, Chris, <laughs> I'm sorry, Christina. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, For people that don't know, we're all pretty good friends too. Yeah. It's not that he doesn't know her; it's just that he, I think he's just used to talking to me. That's <laughs> yeah, all. Exactly. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, but Avelino, Christina, and their friend Erica do all about like autism awareness and and things mm-hmm. like that. Which uh, yeah, they've done a, a lot of. They've done an episode about what to do after being diagnosed, um, what parents go through after being diagnosed, kind of you know the autism spectrum. They're they're doing some really great things. And last night, um, I heard somebody t- talking about the podcast in a way that I thought was really great, and that's um, by being by speaking out and creating a podcast for uh, for the autism community and as parents as a way of them to have a platform for their for what they've gone through. What they've also done without probably even knowing it is that they've created a resource for caregivers, for therapists, and for other families to direct uh, people over to um, when parents are going through this uh Either they've been through it for a while or they're very new to this community and to this diagnosis and they don't know where else to go. And it's really, really, really important what they're doing. It's not, you know, we talk about TV shows and, and you know, we joke around and we have a lot of fun with what we do. But I I really, truly believe that what Avelino and um, 
Christina and Erica are doing over at another piece of the puzzle. I believe it is very, very important. And I couldn't be more proud of them or thrilled for them and what they are creating. And I'm so glad that you uh, that you have them on your network, Ben. I, and that was the thing too. Like I knew when when Avelino and had brought it up to me about what the podcast was going to be about. Yes, I mean we live in a world of pop culture, and that's where uh, you know I tend to gravitate. I know you tend to gravitate, and a lot of the podcasts, actually most of the podcasts on the Next Level Network are pop culture based. But when Avelino, you know, approached myself and a couple other people about this podcast, I knew how important this podcast was going to be to other people. And that's why I didn't hesitate uh, to bring. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn or, or pride myself. This is something I agree with you completely. It's something that needs to be heard. It's something that people should be hearing. And what I want to say about Avelino, Christina, and Erica too is one of the things I'm most proud of about when it comes to this podcast and what they're doing is the fact that, you know, if, if you have a child who who tends to be on the autism spectrum or you, you kind of, you struggle with that, you could struggle with that a little bit. Not everyone does, but you could struggle with it a little bit and you could kind of keep that more private in your life and not really address it. So the fact that the three of them have come together to not only talk about it, but bring elements of their own personal lives into it and be that open about it that takes a lot mm -hmm. and that is something i am hugely proud of the three of them for being able to do mm -hmm. whether it was I agree. whether it was on next level podcast again no matter where the podcast ended up the fact that they are able to do it that's that speaks volumes of the character of all three of them so i agree with you so but yeah um very happy about that. If and if you're interested in it at all, or you know anybody who could benefit from it, please, uh, you can send them to thenextlevelnetwork.com um, and or facebook.com, and you can find all the information there under the shows tab. Or uh, facebook.com/slash another piece of the puzzle podcast is where you can go for that as well. Um, but that's gonna wrap it up. For this episode, I know next week, as you mentioned, we're getting a um, a Sawyer backstory, which is always Woo! a lot of fun uh, with the long con. And actually, I'm thinking about it. Um, that dark moment of Charlie's that we mentioned, yeah, that's next week. Cool, great. I, I awesome. thought I thought it was a little fur. I thought it was a little further off, but no, that's that's next week. That's the long con. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know but it's gonna happen we gotta get through it let's just get over it and move on because after that oh we get to meet somebody we get to meet one of my favorite characters in the series in two weeks i'm excited we get to meet henry gale yay you're excited <laughs> i'm very excited so uh all right with that being said thank you so much for being a part of this family thank you so much for listening as you always do we appreciate the feedback that you leave but until next time we will see you guys further on down that rabbit hole take care bye idris elba is james bond
We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! 